House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. And now we are at the interview part of the show. Um, so um, I watched a documentary just the other day here on the weekend, and so I reached out and got the man behind it. Uh, the documentary is called Who Killed Nicole? Who Killed Nicole? And uh, the guy that's behind it is Norm Pardo. Thank you for being here, Norm. Thanks for having me. So, Norm, uh, first of all, let's, let's talk about you. Um, how, and how did you and O.J. get together, and how do you know O.J.? Actually, my attorney introduced us. Uh, I just had taken my company public. I owned a dot-com company. I was actually competing with Google, but my company came out public before them. And uh, he introduced us at an airplane hangar. I just purchased, a, a like, a helicopter company. Wow. And that's so how we met. What kind of relationship did you guys have? Like, was it uh, personal or business, or how did that go? It was a little of both. Uh, I'm 100% business. I mean, I know that's me. That's what I do. Uh, but you have to get some personal involved with that because it's O.J. Simpson. There's a lot of emotions as well. But I just, uh, it was really, really 90% business for me. It was a little personal because I didn't want to lose, and I had a goal. Right. Uh, so so what, what What would you say about O.J. now? If, you, if someone was to say, um, what, what do you, did you like him? What, like, was, there, was he a good person? Like, what's your general overview of O.J.? He's a very likable person, and he, you have to like him. I mean, it's, it's that way. I mean, he's, if you don't like him, I, I seen, for example, we were at a restaurant once, and the guy across the, the way was giving him some, you know, mean looks. So O.J. made it a point when he was going to the restroom to stop by, compliment him on what a beautiful wife, et cetera, break the ice with him, and then before you know it, the guy liked him. He senses when you don't like him, and he will actually try to correct the problem. Wow, he's a real charismatic guy. He seems to, uh, yeah, he seems to really be able to spin stuff. Yes, very, very good at it. So now, uh, what made you uh, decide to do this documentary? Like, what was it that you were hoping for? Actually, the documentary was never going to come out, but everybody kept saying I was going to do a documentary for 20 years. And so I just wanted to know who killed Nicole. It wasn't about a documentary. We, I just spent 20 years hunting and, and looking and digging to get the answers I wanted. It had nothing to do with everybody else. I didn't really, don't mean to be mean, I didn't really care what everybody else wanted. <laughs> I just wanted to know from my own personal self who killed Nicole. And I knew that the way it was, everybody was positioning it, it was either O.J. or O.J. But after meeting with him for a while, I knew there was more to the story than that just O.J. killed her. And so I just wanted to know. So a guy came to me. Actually, it wasn't me who started it. Kyle Sailors out of Nashville uh, contacted me probably, I don't know, six years ago. 
and kept hounding me to let them produce the movie, The Sailor Brothers. And so uh, last year, I think it was, I told them, let's, let's do it. You know, here's everything I've got, and it was boxes and boxes of stuff that we had dug up over 20 years. It wasn't just, you know, I was. I think I blew their minds. They were like, there's terabytes of information here. There's investigators all over the place. They had no idea at the amount of money, you know, I spent three-quarters of a million dollars and the amount of time I spent to find out who killed Nicole. Hmm. You know, I did a, my investigation was more thorough than they did in, in L.A., so why do you think that is? Like, what, what, why do you think the prosecution did what they did, and, and uh, what, what was the difference? I think, and I'm not, th- I'm not going to throw off on them. I think they got themselves into a situation where they had to go the route they were going. When they first arrested O.J., he was the killer. It was rage, and you know they they sold that story to America. And then when they found out that there was other people involved, they couldn't go back and say, well, he was raging, but he hired this guy, and everybody worked together, and we got... So they had to do what they had to do. And that's There was really no way around it for them. Yeah, and that's interesting. During the, during the show, you, you kind of um, allude to that. You're kind of saying that um, O.J. wasn't the jealous type. Maybe explain that. Well, when we were out there, he would have a girlfriend, and then he would give the girlfriend to other guys, etc. He didn't really care. He wasn't the jealous kind. He was more of a player. So that wasn't, uh, I didn't see O.J. get jealous with any of his of his girlfriends. I mean, the one in Miami, I mean, he, he caught her with, an, I guess, a whole football field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still stayed with her, I mean... <laughs> He used to call me every now and then to show you how jealous he was. He would call me and say, Norm, if she calls you, you just tell her I'm with you because I don't want to deal with her this week. <laughs> so what was the relationship with Kardashians? Now, you kind of allude to that being back at the beginning, and that's kind of uh, what set the whole thing in motion, perhaps. Um, what was their relationship? The relationship was good with Robert at first. Robert gave O.J. a lot. I mean, I was amazed when we started digging how much he really did for O.J. Simpson. I mean, during his uh, start of his career, you know, with R&R, Radio and Records, etc. I mean, you know, Radio and Records, you probably know them because you're in the radio business. Yeah. You know, they were one of the founders. And here O.J. owned a share of that, a big chunk. There was only three partners in that when it started. And O.J. was one of them that Robert brought in with his brother. So he brought him into a lot of things that helped him. So I was, uh, and then, of course, it got sour when O.J. took everything away from Robert, I believe. That's my opinion. Yeah. Robert gave O.J. everything he had, and O.J. took everything Robert had away from him. And, and, um... There's a suggestion that he slept with allegedly. Her. Yeah. Well, and, I have and, to say allegedly. Anytime you say anything with Kardashian, Kardashians has been my biggest problem. I mean, the entire world is so afraid of them right now. I mean, I got this straight from the top brass at the big networks because my movie talks about them in any way, shape, or form. They don't even want to talk about my movie. They're cute, though. They watch the movie, and they go, oh, my God, this is the definitive story. But we can't air it. 
<laughs> which which makes me I I laugh at him. So I think, oh, what what do you go? What do you mean you can't air it? Well, we can't air it. Robert's dead. Well, it doesn't matter. You have any idea how much power the Kardashians wield right now? Yeah. So they they you know basically I'm banned in America. I'm finding I'm doing better right now. We're talking with a Canadian network who wants to air my movie. So in other countries I'm good. It's just in America we're banned because of the Kardashians. Yeah, you're banned because there's a freedom of speech in America. <laughs> well, that's the problem. I mean, that's the whole thing. You shouldn't be banned in America for wanting to, you know, say what's, you know, especially if it's just showing facts. But, you know, in America, it's still, we're banned. In, you know, we have a different way of banning people here. There's a freedom of speech in other countries, and then there's a freedom of speech in America. The America gives you a freedom of speech as long as you say what they want you to. It's all about power. As as you, yeah, it's a so it's the bottom line. Yeah, it's 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 the life, you know. So we've come to to the grips with that. I mean, uh, I don't really care. I mean, my movie's still moving forward, no matter what. There, I actually got a couple calls the other day from people who want to turn it into a theatrical movie. They want to bring it to life. There you go, live Broadway. <laughs> Instead of a, yeah, well, not really Broadway. It's just you know how you get actors to play the parts of everybody, and they reenact the whole scene and everything. We we didn't do that in our movie. We just no. No. <laughs> we just showed facts and documents, and you know that was all I was after. I just I'm well, not an a, actor. It's a good way to start. Um, so now you you talk about. Um, OJ not not really being the uh, how do I say this was he behind it or not therein lies the problem the hardest thing I have that the, the, that's the question did he hire Glenn Rogers to go over there or did Robert Kardashian hire Glenn Rogers that's the one thing I neither one of them will talk about now Glenn Rogers son called me and claims that it was Robert so, hmm. by the way, Glenn, Glenn Rogers actually, I guess, called him and wanted to know how I found out what happened that night when he hadn't told anybody. He well, called him from prison. Glenn Rogers is on death row right now in Florida. Yeah. So uh, maybe do you want to talk about Glenn Rogers? Like, who was he? How did he get involved in this? Glenn Rogers is a bona fide serial killer. I mean, he really he killed a guy named Mark Peters. And then after he killed him in uh, Ohio, I think it was, he went from there to California, and he was already wanted for killing Mark Peters in California, but he took Mark Peters' identification. He took his uh, Social Security number and everything and was working under the name of Mark Peters. That's why a lot of people couldn't put him at the crime scene, because he was going under the name Mark Peters and not Glenn Rogers. So when they did a couple other documentaries, they said, well, there's no way he could do it because he wasn't in town at the time. But he was. And we know this because we have the uh, we have his W-2 forms for his employer that stated that Mark Peters was working for him. And Mark Peters actually missed work the, the day uh, right after Nicole died. said a ceiling on his, in his apartment fell on him and he couldn't come to work. <laughs> so... But we got the reason I got all the stuff was I got it from Glenn himself. I've got Mark Peter's Social Security number, birthdates. 
I've gotten a social security number and birthdays to a lot of people that he had killed and are missing right now. So how did he get involved in, in killing Nicole and uh, Goldman? From what I'm understanding, he was, he was hired to just watch Nicole, just like the other gentleman was hired. Uh, there was a guy named William Waz was the first guy that was hired to follow Nicole and find out who was dealing drugs, et cetera. And then it switched over because that guy got arrested. He was actually arrested in Paula Barbieri's car with a twenty-two caliber pistol, Nicole's a diary with her whereabouts in it, a crack pipe, and something else. And in his and in his testimony, he claimed that OJ or Robert told him where to pick up Paula Barbieri's car, where to get it, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought that was that was a great clue because that put the odds of somebody stealing Paula Barbieri's car and getting into an accident in her car with Nicole's whereabouts in it are a billion to one without somebody being part of it, either Robert or O.J. What do you think Robert's um, motive would be for, for having the killings happen? Honestly, I don't think that they knew the killing was going to happen. I don't think any of them knew the killing was going to happen, to be totally honest. I think that at the time, I, I know Robert was mad because of that whole affair with, you know, you know, Chris and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think anybody knew the killing was going to happen. I think the killing happened because it was going to be a, basically a, a thug down of Ron Goldman, and they didn't expect it to go the way it went. Uh, and that's why people got hurt. O.J. was the first one cut. That's why his blood went from the crime scene all the way to his house. He was cut by Ron. Ron was the first person to pull the knife. It wasn't Glenn. Glenn just took the knife away from him and killed it with him. Well, what were, what were they going to do? So they, they figured uh, Ron Goldman was was selling drugs. Is that it? Or yes, they thought that Ron Goldman was the drug dealer that was dealing in drugs and pulling Nicole into it, not realizing it was sort of uh, reversed. Mm. So they thought, though, oh, we'll just go over and thug down Ron, and that would be the end of it, and Ron would leave it all alone. But Ron, when he got pushed into the bushes, fought back. And that's what happened. I think that's honestly the only way it could have happened. The way O.J. was cut, he was cut on the outside of his finger. He wasn't cut on the inside of his finger. And when O.J. puts his finger in your face, that's what he did to me. Thousands of times, that same finger. He points it in your face and like he's yelling at you. That's what he does. And I think when Ron pulled the knife out, he cut him in that same finger. And O.J. ran home like a baby, which is what he would do. Every fuck he's ever been in, he runs home. <laughs> and left uh, Glenn there with Ron. And that's why Glenn, uh, Glenn got so mad because he, he wasn't paid to do that. He was paid to go over there and just be a backup thug. And he got lured into something that he wasn't paid for. You know, Nicole and Ron were killed two hours from, apart from each other. They weren't killed at the same time. So We so, also proved that in our movie. So when he killed uh, Goldman um, and threw him in the bushes, um, why did it happen with the coal then? Why didn't he just uh, walk away then? Well, what happened was O.J. had already left, left him there, and he got mad, he said, and he said this is from them. 
And he grabbed up one of the gloves, and he said that N-word wasn't going to leave him holding the bag. And he ran over and threw the thing over his fence. That's how the glove got over O.J.'s fence. And then he ran over the berm behind the house and was going to leave. And then he thought, okay, he didn't get paid, so he called Nicole and told her that he would have some nose sugar for her. And he said he did that so when she come to the door, she would have money on her. And he went back to get that, figuring he was going to get paid. And then when she came to the door, he just told her, let's do this around the corner. And they went around the corner where Ron was at, and he just got up behind her and slit her throat, took the money, and that was it, and her jewelry. And he said he pawned the jewelry in Vegas or Nevada somewhere. Hmm. Now, have you talked to O.J. since all of this? No, he's really mad at me right now. <laughs> he's always wanted to, he, you know, he's never been, he, he's, he's one of those kind of people, I didn't have nothing to do with it, you don't want to know what happened, let it go. That's what he's always told me. You don't want to know what happened, let it go. That's the reason I couldn't let it go. <laughs> he should have told me I didn't do anything. Instead, he never said that. He said, you don't want to know what happened, let it go. So I knew he knew. And the problem is he's never been con uh, tried on conspiracy. He was only tried on the murder. So he could be retried. And I think that's why he doesn't want anything to come out. And I'm not mad at him. I don't really. <laughs> I just had to know. Well, so, you, so you haven't heard what he thinks about all this or, or any of the PR coming out about it? No, he won't talk about it. That's the way O.J. works. If he wants something to go away, he'll just shut up, and then it'll go away. He, he does that with anybody who gets him riled up. He just won't talk about it. And by not talking about it, they don't get his side, then it usually just goes away. But in reality, it doesn't make him look that bad. He wasn't there during either killing. I mean, he, he left before Ron was killed. I mean, you know, they had already started fighting, but he did leave. And he never went back for Nicole because she was killed an hour and a half after he was already on a plane. Wow. So you and he doesn't see it that way. Yeah. Oh, well, so you don't think that he, uh, so he didn't really initiate it. It just sort of happened is what you're saying. Yes, I think it happened because they scared Ron. That's why I got a lot of pushback because you know you don't ever say the victim was anything more than a victim but uh you know ron was into a lot of things all of his uh all of his files are sealed because they said he was an informant you can't open up ron goldman's files so he was into a lot of things just like glenn rogers files are all sealed he was an informant uh, who were they informing for like what were they doing what we could, the most we could figure out is it's probably drug-oriented because they were both dealing with drug people. Glenn Rogers, I think, in one of his letters stated that's how he used to get away with things. He was an informant. If somebody was to be killed, he would just say, oh, I'll tell you, and he would point at somebody and say he did it, and as an informant, then he would just have to testify against them. He did that, I think, in Chicago with a gentleman who was convicted for murder. And the guy was sliced all up just like all of Glenn Rogers' other victims. Sounds but like being an informant, you can do Very, very bad guy. He doesn't like me much, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> uh, but that's, I ain't worried about him. 
Yeah. Well, he's, well, so what's the what's what have you been getting for feedback on on the documentary? People love the documentary. They're just amazed that there was so much hidden from them. You know, they it, 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 you have to watch it. You know, actually, everybody who's ever downloaded that movie watches it four point five times, which is incredible. You can't grab it the first time. The first time you'll see a lot of stuff in it, but then the second time you'll say, "I didn't notice that." I didn't notice this. I didn't notice this. You know, one guy called me and said, I didn't notice the suicide note wasn't written by OJ until I watched it the second time. Because everybody thought that you remember the suicide note that OJ wrote it. But we compared all of the uh, signatures and stuff, and we just showed it. There's no way OJ Simpson wrote that suicide note. It wasn't his handwriting. It wasn't his signature. It was actually written by someone that was more of a child. Robert think, turned it in. Well, who do you think wrote it then? Well, I can't mention any of the Kardashian children. <laughs> 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 but Robert Kardashian is the one who turned in the suicide note and said OJ told everybody, you know, him to give it to you. But when you look at the signature, just look at the signature on the bottom of the suicide note. It's not even close to OJ's signature. And it hit me like a rock. It took me a while. I was going through it, and I didn't even pay attention to it. And then I was just looking at it one day, and I'm like, wait, this is not O.J.'s handwriting. I've got his signature on all my contracts. So I pulled them all up, and every one of them didn't match. And I've got O.J.'s probably 100 signatures, all different times. None of them even come close. Whoever signed the suicide note actually put a smiley face inside the signature. O.J. would never put a smiley face inside of his signature. So whoever it was was a child. So wow. makes you wonder. Yeah. Uh, I would I would like to know if if any of the Kardashians would know who actually wrote that note. It would be interesting to find that out. So you haven't talked to any of them. You haven't talked to any of them. No, no, no. They talked to they they talked about me on their show. Oh, <laughs> they were. They were quite upset about me. They were like, oh, I can't believe that guy is bringing up all this stuff after all these years, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, it's not my fault. I'm not the one who did it. You know, O.J.'s the one who was bragging about breaking her vagina. It had nothing to do with me. <laughs> I just had to put it in there. <laughs> you know? Well. <laughs> I guess I could have left that part out, but <laughs> if you leave out that part, then you, you would leave out the part that would make Robert mad. You had to find out, is there a reason why Robert would be mad? Would he have a, a motive? You know, and so, you know, you have to look for a motive. And we looked for a motive in him. We looked at four different people that we tried to find out, was there a motive in any of them? And Robert's the only one that actually came out with a lot of negatives between that situation that happened and then, which could have been a trigger, if you look at the photograph taken of all the Kardashians, and O.J. Simpson and Nicole and everything, I think it was April 1st, just before the murders. If you look at that photograph that was taken just, you know, weeks before the murders, you'll see that all the families were together, all the Kardashians, all the Jenners, and all the Simpsons, except for one person. And that was Robert Kardashian. He's the only one missing from that photograph. Hmm. What was their relationship? Which made me like? wonder. Yeah, what was their relationship like then, Robert and OJ? Did were they apart after the uh, trial or what? 
I think they were apart before the trial. I think they only came together, you know, because they had no choice. I think that was just something that O.J. needed Robert's help when Nicole got into that situation. Remember the 911 call? You know, that 911 call we actually had transcribed because we wanted to know exactly what was on that. They said it was inaudible, but it wasn't. And all during the 911 call, O.J. was just yelling, I want the book, I want all the contacts, I want all your drug dealers and prostitutes that's hanging around with my children. And that's what he was after during the 911 call. It was clear. It's on on the tapes. So I think when he got that book, because she told the, the lady on the 911, what did, what did he do? He said, he, he just took my book. And it wasn't just a couple of days later that William Wise said that he was given that book and hired to follow Nicole. So I think he got the book. William Wise said that Robert Kardashian gave him the book. So he took it to Robert. Robert gave it to Wise, and that's how it started. O.J. just thought he could put a stop to something he couldn't put a stop to. My opinion, oh, allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these people are, you know, they're, it's a scary world we live in. You know, and you can't really say too much about anybody. I mean, you've got the prosecutor over there. You know, what, what really gets me, and, and the thing that makes me the most angry out of this whole thing, isn't O.J. Simpson or Nicole Brown or anybody. I mean, honestly, that whole situation was just a sad state of affairs, but none of them were, you know, you know, great people. They all had problems. They were all doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. The only innocent victims in this were the people that Glenn Rogers killed after this. That was the innocent people. There was four victims after this happened that he killed, after the prosecutor interviewed him regarding the possibility of him being a murderer, and after O.J.'s attorney interviewed him. O.J.'s attorney interviewed Glenn Rogers and said Glenn Rogers couldn't possibly be the one, blah, blah, blah. The prosecutor interviewed Glenn Rogers and said, no, there's no way he could possibly be the one. But if you think about that, Glenn Rogers was already on the most wanted list, federal most wanted list, FBI most wanted list for killing Mark Peters. So why did the prosecutor interview him and let him go in the first place? And he went on to kill four other people that he's on death row for killing now. That's why he's on death row. It wasn't from people before Nicole, it was after. Those people would still be alive right now if the prosecutor didn't hustle him and get him out of town. They did not want anybody to come up and say, oh, my, the O.J. didn't do it because that would throw out their entire thing. They already said O.J., oh, no, O.J. raged and killed him. You can't bring Glenn Rogers into this mix. Hmm. So that's why all of the files we wanted from over there, they just vanished. One of them we had our hands on. It was six inches thick. And then when they finally released it, it was six pages. Mm. It's amazing what you can do, you know, just like the phone records for Nicole. You know, all of the phone records we found were all doctored up. I mean, blatantly doctored up. It wasn't just doctored up like, oh, maybe, maybe not. No. You can see the squares where they actually mark things out and put new numbers in. And one of the biggest things I thought was sort of cute, when they were doing the dates, they, 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 they said that the, she called her mom at, at 6 o'clock on the 22nd, and at 7 o'clock on the 22nd, and 8 o'clock on the 33rd. They, they messed it up. It didn't even go 22nd anymore. It went to 33rd. There is no 33rd day a month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
mean, just to show they, they hit the wrong keys is what they did. And then they had the times all wrong. They said they called her at 8 p.m. at night, and the 9 p.m. in the morning, and 8 p.m. at night. They had that side messed up. But you can see where they squared them off, changed all the times and dates to match what they needed to be. Nicole had to have died at 1030 in order for O.J. to have done it because he was already going for a plane. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that they backed up the phone records to match up with the times that she talked to her mom. But the phone records are so blatantly documented. It's in the movie. It shows they're blatantly documented. We showed the documents because trying to explain it is impossible. Yeah. Do, 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 do you think it, just, was it Marsha Clark and the prosecution, or do you think it's just the police? Well, the prosecutors had to know that there was all this stuff going on. I mean, you can't hide it from everybody. I don't blame them, but I'm saying that what they did was wrong, that somebody did a lot of bad things, like the planting of the, of the blood you know, on the, the gate and the planting of the blood on the sock. It would have been good enough to get O.J. from the crime scene with the blood drops that went from the crime scene to his house that didn't have the preservative in it. Right. But when they put the, the blood on the gate and on the sock, it had preservative in it, which meant that all the blood drops ended up being thrown out. So you, you, by trying to make it look like more than what it was, it made it worse. So do you think Furman was uh, behind that, or, or was it? Well, there was a lot of blood that was missing, so uh, somebody was. I mean, some of the blood in the Bronco. I mean, we were able to knock those shoes out in just minutes. You know, they they did that whole trial was based on the Bruno Magli shoes. I mean, that was a big thing, Bruno Magli shoes. If the Bruno Magli shoes, look at them, the Bruno Magli shoe prints all over the crime scene, right? The only problem with the Bruno Magli shoe prints being all over the crime scene is to start with, <laughs> here's how we knocked it out, it's simple. <laughs> the shoe prints inside of the Bronco. They had an FBI shoe specialist and tire print specialist for the prosecutor. Was on This was his testimony. And they asked him, was the shoe prints in the Bronco uh, similar to what would be uh, Bruno Magli? And he was very adamant when he said no. <laughs> they weren't even close. So if the shoe print in the Bronco was not Bruno Magli, then they weren't on OJ's feet. It's his logic. It's simple. <laughs> if the shoe print in the Bronco was Bruno Magli, that's one thing. But no, the FBI specialist said no, they wasn't. They were a tennis shoe. So what, did O.J. just switch to a bloody tennis shoe on the way into the Bronco? Which explains a lot. See, O.J. left before ever all the blood was everywhere. That's why his shoe print wasn't what, what it was supposed to be, because it's just his footprint with his own blood. He was the one dripping blood because he got his finger cut. But he left before the big murders happened. That's why the lady who was walking her dog or whatever, the couple who came by at 1030 and said there was no dead bodies out there at 1030. They were right, because Nicole wasn't there yet. Ron was dead, but he was up in the bushes. There was no blood on the sidewalk from somebody being killed in the bushes. The blood on the sidewalk all came from Nicole, and she didn't die until like 1130, 12 o'clock. That's why everybody else said we never saw bodies until then. It's because she wasn't there yet. So you just have to take everybody's testimony and then work around it because there's a little truth in everybody's words. I don't know what, what took people so long to figure this out other than they didn't want to know.
Well, I just have to wonder. So when after all this happened, and and OJ was on the um, kind of the defensive, and, and he started doing the things like you know he wrote that book "If I Did It" and things like that. Did he not know that Glenn Rogers was behind it? Well, yeah, he knew who had done it, but he didn't really write that book. They came to him with that book and said, "Here's the deal. We'll give you so much cash." You say you you know you don't dispute you wrote the book. He called me and said that's what they told me. They said don't dispute you wrote the book and they'll give you cash. So he didn't know what was in the book. <laughs> he didn't think that was going to hurt his reputation, or <laughs> he didn't care. He told me he said you know everybody's going to think I'm a murderer, going to think I'm a murderer. Well, you take the money too, Norm. That's what he told me exactly. And I'm like, well, this is not a good thing. That's sort of the beginning of our separation. Because I said that's not a good thing to do because, you know, the whole book thing doesn't make any sense. But but anybody who's smart enough to know, you know, and you didn't take a genius to figure this out, O.J. Simpson cannot be sued by anybody for anything. So if Fox News or uh, what, what was the name of the book publishing company? Uh, oh, that one I don't remember. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but... They would not give him $600,000 and put it in his bank account because the judgment would take it. So they had to give him $600,000 in his suitcase in cash because there's no way he could put it in a bank account because the Goldman's would attached to it within seconds. And they would not say, here's 600000 in cash, now go write us a book because what if O.J. didn't write it? They would never get their money back and they couldn't sue it. So they just took the cash over there with the book and said, you don't dispute you wrote this book, and we'll give you this suitcase. And that's how it went down. So I think it took him a while. He was walking around reading what, what they had wrote because, he, you know, he had to do the interview, and he had to say, I know what the heck's in the book. <laughs> but the, the, the book was written by the guy who was walking his dog. He was one of the people in, involved in the first trial. So they just took basically the trial and put it into a book form. Hmm. So uh, Goldman's, what, what can you tell us about the Goldman's? You talk about them in the in the uh, in the uh, documentary. Yeah, they get mad at me every now and then. <laughs> well, yeah, we yeah. investigated them as well. You know, I mean, you have to investigate everybody. I needed to know, you know, what their affiliations were. Were different people, you know. I and the more we investigated them, the more they don't have a really squeaky clean background no more than anybody else does i mean fred goldman is married to a a a lady named patty glass and everybody can google this patty glass and google patty glass and marvin glass marvin glass was patty glass's husband he was also part of a hundred million dollar cocaine smuggling ring in chicago they got busted and he was on trial when fred goldman ran away with her to california so he was already on trial for being a, a Colombian, like it's a cartel member of some form. So they have a direct connection to that. And, and it's, so, do you think that um, that Goldman was was actually um, Ron Goldman was 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 selling drugs? Do you think, or or anything like that, or do you think that was just kind of? Over, over, over talked. About. I think that he, I think he was, but I don't think it was from. 
he wasn't the dealer. He didn't have the money. He didn't have the finances to be the dealer. You had to have somebody with more money and more finances and could get their hand on finances. And if you really watch the movie, I threw a couple hints on there because, I, you know, I don't want to go too far into it on what, who was the real dealer. Yeah, yeah. OJ threw the first hint. I didn't, you know, in, in the 911 call. And that, that was my first clue that, that Ron, I don't think, was the dealer. When, when OJ took Nicole's black book and said, I want all the phone numbers to all of, the pros- all of your prostitutes and drug dealers that's hanging around with my children. <laughs> no. That was sort of my first clue. <laughs> and it took a while before I figured it out. See, Ron Goldman was on the way to a marina but when he left the restaurant. He wasn't going there just to drop off glasses. He was going to drop off the glasses on the way to the marina. And nobody figured out how he got from the restaurant to Nicole's house. So there was no car, et cetera. You know, they had a bunch of rumors that they found this, found that, but they never found a car. <clears throat> but so the what? bottom line was, how did he get from there to, to the marina? The marina was two-and-a-half-hour walk from the restaurant. There's no way Ron Goldman, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, Ron Goldman would leave the restaurant and say, I got to walk to the marina and meet these guys there. It's going to take me two and a half hours. I'm going to walk over to the cold, drop off her glasses and go on over there. Until he wouldn't be there until one or two in the morning. Right. So he had a ride. He had transportation. And if you think about that, simple think about that. You know, here he is. He has transportation from the restaurant to Nicole's house. Now, if that's a good friend of his, and, oh, my God, Ron's being killed, the friend would at least call the police, wouldn't he? Right. And if it was a taxi cab, wouldn't he just drive off and say, I ain't getting involved in this? So what happened to his transportation? Whoever was driving the car, where did he go? It took a while for me to figure that one out. The only way that the transportation wouldn't be part of the of the trial somewhere, saying I saw him go in there or something, is if that person was participating. And I know that Glenn Rogers was already getting close to Nicole and Ron. So I would think that in my gambling bet is Glenn Rogers picked Ron up from the restaurant and took him to Nicole's house. That's why when Ron went through the gate, Glenn Rogers was behind him and O.J. was in front of him already there. That's why Ron pushed over into the bushes. There was nowhere else he could go. He couldn't go back and he couldn't go forward. But that's only logical, makes only logical sense of how he got to Nicole's, knowing he was going two and a half hours to the marina. Nobody walks that far. So, so when, they were, when they were attacking Goldman, what was Nicole doing? Was she at home or was she somewhere else? She was at home, but the way the house is set up, her bedroom and the kids' bedrooms on the other end, it's like a long, skinny apartment. It's not, so that all of the bedrooms are on the other end of the house totally opposite of the end where all of the violence took place. The kids' room and everything was on the other side. So she would never have even heard what was going on out there. That's why nobody noticed. So what was Glenn Rogers' um, relationship with Nicole? Well, he claimed that he was dating her in, in, in all of the letters that we got. Uh, he did have pictures of him and Nicole, but the FBI took those pictures. We can't seem to get them back. I saw them, but I haven't been able to see them since the FBI took them. So there was a picture with him and Nicole 
a couple nights before the murders that were out at a club with Dodie Fayad and a couple other people. Luckily, though, we did get a witness that was that night with them and came forward. And uh, I've been very lucky that because I was the OJ guy, anybody who's ever knew anything to ever about the thing would call me up and say, I've got this, I've got that. And so by the media keeping me as the OJ guy, it really helped me, you know, with clues. So we did get a witness that came forth after the movie was made. We had to put it back in editing, who came forth and said, I've got something I've got to tell you. And they were crying, and they were very upset about the whole thing. And she said, I've been hiding this for 20 years. I don't want to, you know, I'm afraid that they're going to come after me next. And she had a big fear. But we got her on tape, and she told the story, which was really nice of what happened a couple nights before with Dodie Fayad, Nicole. Nicole was uh, openly talking about picking up drugs. And this lady heard all the conversations. Yeah, and that confused me a little bit. So what, what was Dodie Fayad's involvement with O.J. or Nicole and all that stuff? Like, what, was, what, do you, what, what are you suggesting by that? I, I was kind of not sure on that. Well, I didn't know where it was going either, to be honest. I, <laughs> I just put it in there because I thought it was very interesting that he was with Nicole a couple nights before, and that lady actually thought that he had something to do with the murders because of the, they were manhandling them, and they were supposed to pick Nicole up that night, the night of the murders, supposed to pick her and Nicole up and take them to uh, Saudi Arabia or wherever they're from in their plane. And at that night, she said that Dodie Fayad said that they were going. Nicole was going to take the plane and go somewhere and pick up stuff. So I don't know if maybe who knows maybe Nicole was bringing the models and stuff around for Dodie to you know as a a treat. I don't know. Wow, that Dodie. part we couldn't really. Other than the witness, we couldn't really come up with anything. And she just told me what was going on. She was afraid because Dodie Fayad and, and his guys thought that those two girls, her and another model, was really for them. And they were trying to take them. She said they were going to kidnap them that night and take them to where, you know, with them. But they put up a fight and got out of there. But I thought that was it. That's what I'm saying. I didn't find many of the, the people that were involved as being, you know, just innocent bystanders. Wow. Uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, what, what do you want people to walk away with? What do you, what are you hoping to get out of the movie? I want them to walk away with stuff that they never thought of before, and to give them an open mind that don't always believe what the media is telling you, because a lot of this is all made up stuff, and it just doesn't make any sense. You know, if just if they pick up one thing from the shoes in the Bronco, we're not Bruno Magli by the FBI guy. That's a good thing if they pick up anything that makes them go, huh. But most of the people, when they're done, we've done surveys inside of our, uh, you know, we, we did one inside of a, what do you call it, a, a theater. We had 500 people there. And probably 98% of the people held up their hand that they feel that the end, that was the what happened. It ended it for them. They didn't have to think anymore like, ah, oh, because they had so many questions about the glove. You know, and, and about how did O.J.'s hand get cut? Well, he wasn't wearing the gloves. They weren't his gloves. They were, Ron, uh, they were Glenn's gloves. You know, and if you take all this, it just if they take anything out of it at all, that's good. <laughs> but they have to watch it 4.5 times in order to do it because it's so much we tried to throw into two hours. I think if I had it to do over again, 
we would have made it more of a four-hour because it's so in-depth, but we just had to crush it. And we shouldn't have probably done it that way because then people would grab more if it went in a slower pace. It's a fast-moving film that when they're in there, they're like, wow, 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 and you had to almost had one guy who kept pausing it and replaying it back and forth. He said, because I just he couldn't grab it. But there was so much. We have terabytes of information nobody in the world's ever saw before. And that's what was amazing is there's so much in there that you, you think you know it all until you see it. And then you're like, wow, this it sort of makes sense. <laughs> and I don't think they can dispute anything. I keep bringing I want somebody to challenge me, dispute something. It's just it's, it's hard to do because it was pretty thorough. I mean, I may make a mistake or two inside the movie because, you know, but that's. Yeah. But I haven't found anybody to dispute most of the facts. The facts are the facts. I can't get rid of them. And I won't get rid of them to sell the movie. And so you know, what everybody is, says. I was just going to say, what do you think that um, people would be most surprised about um, as far as O.J. Simpson and his personality that you saw from being an insider that they wouldn't have seen? There's many faces of O.J. Simpson. In the, in, the, in the biggest face, I think, that I see, and he changes. He's like a chameleon. I've never seen anybody change like that. It depends on who's in the room with him. He can go into a room where it's all black, and he's automatically black, and he's, you know, he, he talks like them. Then he can go into a room with all whites, and he talks like them. He'll put on his suit and go in there executive style. So he changes, and he changes to match his environment. And I thought that was fascinating. And the fact that people, they want his autograph, not because of a football player thing, it's because, you know, He's a he's a he's like uh, the Godfather. They just want to touch his hand. They want autographs, and it's a whole different world for that. It's not what you would think. I'm just fascinated by you know the the people. I, I like to hear their comments and how some of them get so bent out of shape. If you hate OJ, this movie drives you insane because they can't get over, they can't break it, and they don't know what to say. So they just ah, it's crazy. <laughs> And I get a kick at some of them. I mean, hell, I got threats. I mean, they they death threaten me. It's comical to look. I mean, I'm not you know I'm not one to just really care. That's problem. they get more and more mad. One guy's like, well, you don't look very healthy, and I'm like, I'm, I'm very healthy. I'm fine. Then he replied right back again. He said, well, you're not going to be very healthy if you keep this going. What? And then I've had two people, you know, two o'clock in the morning, call me up and say, you know, you know, you know if they could find me, they'd kill me. So, you know, it's the way it goes. You know, you can't, you can't be, you can't run afraid or nothing's going to happen. And then to have these big networks that are so afraid of the Kardashians won't even, they don't even want to talk about my movie. You don't hear me talking on the networks. I'm in every magazine across this planet. One network dared to do it, and that was the Today Show in Australia. And they got chastised for having me on there. So you don't go up against the Kardashians, and you don't go up against the California, you know, the, the prosecutors there. You know, they, they have their thing, this is what happened, we're going to let it go this way, and it's going to end this way. And if you if you change that or, or show them anything that's other than that, they get mad. They want it buried. They made a lot of money off O.J. being the killer. They make money today off O.J. being the killer. The only reason he's in magazines is because he's a killer. 
you know, taking away his, you know, even O.J. got mad at me when he was in prison because he liked to be the killer. <laughs> Isn't that ironic that O.J. likes being the killer? <laughs> if he wasn't the killer, he'd just be a washed-up football player. So yeah. in his mind, it's like, no, I'm famous, I'm a killer, you know, or a bad guy, I'm a thug, I'm like the godfather, you know, praise me, I'm, oh, people want to come and touch me because I'm a, then, you know, and he knows the real reason. It's just, if he's not the killer, he's nobody. Mm. And, you know, he likes this, being there where they're watching every tweet he does. I mean, let's, let's, let's look at some of the famous older football players that played during his time. Their tweets. <laughs> How many followers do they have? We can look at a couple of them, both their followers. <laughs> so it's just a difference in personalities. OJ has learned to live with this. He doesn't really care. He's like, nah, I don't care. So he doesn't want anybody to rock the boat. Right now, he can come out and say what he wants, and the media will pick it up. The, the negative with me is, well, I knocked some things out of there, and he didn't like it too much. When he was in prison, you know, they, everybody made money off of these, you know, tabloids. And, and O.J. made money off of it. I remember one time he said he sold the story about his girlfriend to one of the, I'm not going to say which tabloid. You know, they gave him a couple thousand dollars. He didn't do it. He had his girlfriend call the tabloids and say they were fighting, blah, blah, blah. And he said he got enough money off that story to buy his lawn furniture. <laughs> so when he was in prison, I think he had planned on just coming out with a story every week, and that would pay, you know, put money on his books. But while he was in prison, I was doing the stories every week, and he wasn't making any money. So he told his friends, oh, Norm's cutting out my income. I'm like, well, you know, my stories, I'm just doing my own thing. <laughs> you know, I tried to help him. I gave him a brain tumor. <laughs> figured that would be okay <laughs> so what's next for for norm now norm pardo what are you going to do now um with with all this yeah i think i think what's next is the book i think everybody's hounding me to write a book because i the, the movie is so in-depth that it needs to be in book form so that you can slowly absorb it so there needs to be a companion book so i'm out there right now talking to a few people about doing the companion who killed nicole book that goes way more in depth on the crimes and shows more stuff so people can absorb it better because i've got terabytes of stuff that didn't make it to the movie you know, i got 70 hours of oj footage that never made it in the movie mm. you know this the movie was really just based on that it didn't show oj for what he is there's there's like i say there's two sides of oj one thing about oj though is he's not a Mr. Tough Guy like he wants you to think he is. I've had him so mad trying to get him angry at me, so I figured he'd try to beat me up. It didn't work. He'd yell at me, and then I'd yell back, and he'd move on. So I'm like, this is not who you think he is. Just like Vegas. You know, the only reason he was all mean and tough in that room is because he had those guys with him. That's what he does. He'll get a couple guys, go in there, thug somebody out. They usually just start, oh, Joe, 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 that's the way it goes. And he leaves with the guys, and that's the way it is. Just like with Nicole. He brought Glenn. It's no different. It's just the way he is. But if anything breaks out inside the room, OJ's the first one out. So do you think he was really upset about Nicole's death? Or what do you think? So if you're saying that um, he didn't 
killer, like, and he didn't plan it. Glenn Rogers did it. Um, w- wouldn't he be mad yeah. at Glenn Rogers, or would he be upset, or like, what what was his feeling toward Glenn Rogers? He doesn't want anybody to know Glenn Rogers even exists. He doesn't want that name out there. He's afraid that they'll try to retry him. If if Glenn Rogers decides to come forward because he's not been put down yet, then he could go back into court. So I think that's the problem. I think he does. He's upset about Nicole, but I think, honestly, I think he's angry at her for getting him into this situation. If she hadn't have been doing drugs and all this other stuff, he wouldn't have had to do what he had to do, and he would he would have still been what he was. Instead, she got him into the situation. Mm. Well, Norm. So I how, think he's mad at her. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> so um, how do people get a hold of you now? Do you have a website and a place that people can go and find you? or? Yeah, well, you can always go if you want to watch the movie. Oh, by the way, I put the movie out for free for all your listeners. So if they want to go to whokillnicole.com, they can watch the movie for free, which is good. Yeah, that's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and, you have and if anybody wants to reach me, it's just you go to normanpardo.com. That's my private thing. Fantastic. Well, Norman. But more people are going to go to Who Killed the Goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I recommend it. And we're going to have a link to our website as well so people listening can just go to it and, yeah. and, and get and it. And maybe, maybe after a few people has watched it, I'll come back on and we'll talk about it. Yeah, it sounds good. We'll see what kind of, get, kind of reaction get we get. Get their have. input. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, Norman, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, our guest has been Norman Pardo, and uh, the documentary he's done is called Who Killed Nicole? Thank you. All right. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www houseofmystery.com Show is over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.